continue with going through the Gospel of John. It feels like an eternity since we've done that. And it actually has been. Because we had the two Sundays uh, where we had testimonies. And then since then, it's been pretty crazy for our family. So it's been a little while. But uh, who remembers the last time I preached? Who remembers my science experiment that I did? Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, you're back with me now. So let's talk about Jesus. And we're up to this video. We showed this last week when I wasn't here, but have a look. Do you believe that? Yeah. Anita's already spoken to that this morning, so I'm not going to labour the point, but prayer is powerful. Uh, when I've been sick on and off the last month, I've sensed the prayers of the righteous, uh, comforting, encouraging me, uh, lifting me up, and I'm feeling frustrated. I'm the worst patient, can I just tell you? I never get sick. And so to have a month of on and off sickness for me is I'm the worst patient because I'd never get sick. I don't like sitting around being stuck at home. And, and obviously there's that increased awareness these days given COVID and everything. If you've got a sniffle or whatever, stay home. And it's so frustrating because, you know, you just four walls are caving in on you and you just want to get out and do what God's called you to do. Anyone relate? When you've, yeah. Who's been in ISO and it's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. it. It's tough because you're like, especially if you're a doer, you want to get out and do stuff. And that's me. I don't like sitting at home in my four walls and being trapped. And uh, so I'm not the best uh, patient. But thanks to your prayers and, and to my God who heals me, uh, I've seen it through. And, and Anita said, Amen. So John chapter 17, verse 13 is where I left off last time I spoke. And it says this, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. We talked about being full of joy. Full of joy. And I did this. I was going to recreate. Bring on the joy. I was going to recreate it, but I thought, I'll just do pictures. So I had a balloon. If you didn't catch it, I actually had a balloon here, and uh, we put it on the flame, and it popped, because that's pretty normal, isn't it? You put a balloon to fire, and it pops. But then I filled the balloon with water. And water is symbolic of Christ, the Holy Spirit, being filled with joy. And, uh, and this happened. It didn't actually pop. It's amazing because the water acts as, I'm not a scientist, but it acts as like a conductor and, and, and it absorbs the heat so that the, the balloon doesn't actually pop. Well, that's what our life is like, isn't it? If we're not filled 
with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the joy that comes in serving him, we're going to burst when the tough challenges of life come, aren't we? We're going to pop in an instant because we don't have that sustaining factor in our hearts, and that is Jesus. That's what sets us apart. He gives us the ability to go through the storms of life, to go through the difficult challenges, and we all face them, don't we? Some of you in the room or online are facing big challenges right now. And if it wasn't for Christ sustaining you, you wouldn't still be going through what you're going through in a positive way because that's what we do. We go through the difficult times and we go, you know what, God, I know times are tough, but thanks to your Holy Spirit that fills me, you sustain me in the storm and, and I can maintain my joy because joy and happiness are two different things. When you're happy, that can burst in a moment, but when you're filled with joy from Christ, it outlasts any difficult time and difficult situation. So we're going to continue through uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, where we're talking about Jesus the prayer. And that's why we showed the video, the power is in your hands, there's power in prayer. We're going to conclude John chapter 17 today. So let's begin at verse uh, 14. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are having this opportunity to receive from your word today. There are many places in the world where it's not this easy. Uh, God, we thank you for the ability to gather as your church. Speak to our hearts today, I pray. Encourage us and uh, lift us up, Father God, supernaturally by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, verse 14 to 16 says this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. How many of you wish that wasn't in the Bible, that you could get taken out of this world and let's just go to heaven now? That Wouldn't that be lovely? But the Bible doesn't say that. You should. Uh, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Well, that's a good thing. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. See, we aren't of this world. We're not of this world. We were never designed to be in this brokenness. It's not what God's plan originally was. You see, because believers love God and we live by different standards and we teach that Jesus is the only way to God, and we saw the reaction in the movie yesterday, those of you that were here, when they're like, oh, Jesus is the only way? How dare they say that? <laughs> uh, and the, we also teach that absolute truth exists in Christ. And we expose sin, don't we? Because when we tell the message of Christ that's exposing sin, well, we get plenty of hatred, don't we? <laughs> plenty of persecution from the world of unbelievers and Satan. Satan jumps on it like a rash because he knows he can try and bring us down if we don't have that strong uh, sense of we know that God is the only way. Christ is the only way. And, and so we, we cop a lot of persecution. Jesus' disciples don't belong to the world just as we don't belong to the world as his followers. Uh, Jesus, knowing this, Jesus repeated the request for protection because he knew how important that was going to be. He knew what was coming. He knew that the persecution was going to come against his people. He knew that the haters were going to hate. He knew that it was going to come. And so he prays for protection. And this time he prays specifically for protection against the evil one, Satan. And notice that he didn't pray that God would take his followers out of the world. 
<laughs> he was leaving them behind to spread the good news of salvation. You know, if we all got taken out, if we had our selfish desires approved and God rubber-stamped and changed his mind and said, all right, all the believers, let's go. I mean, that time's coming. But if he was to do it at the time that is not the prescribed time, so many opportunities would be gone for us to share Jesus. And that's why the hour is urgent. That's why we do Operation Highways and Hedges. That's why we put movies on, not to do pretty little comfortable things for the church. It's so that the community can come to know Jesus. It's why we create thank you cards. It looks like I need to print some more because they're kind of disappeared now, so we'll get some more for next Sunday. But it's why we print thank you cards with the gospel message on the back to share the good news. Because you know what? Tomorrow may not be coming. We could get snapped up, praise the Lord, anytime. And so why wouldn't you act like time is urgent, which it is, and share the good news of Christ. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 17 to 19 says this. Sanctify them by your truth. Jesus is continuing to pray for his disciples. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. We are called into the world. <laughs> but we are. We're called into the world. Jesus' final request for his disciples was for God to sanctify them. It's a setting apart, to set them apart for him and to make them holy. There are two stages to sanctification. At the same moment that we believe in Jesus, we're also set apart for God once and for all. The disciples had already completed stage one, which is believing in Jesus. You'd want to hope so after spending a number of years with him, that they would believe in him. So there was no use praying for that. The second stage is day by day by day walking with God, separated from sin and becoming more like him. This is the process that Jesus prayed for, that we would go through this process, this daily process of being set apart. Daily holiness comes from knowing and obeying the truth. And, and that's the big challenge for the world at the moment, isn't it? What is truth? If you do your research on the internet and watch videos, and what is truth? Where, do you, where did that information come from? Is it a solid source? So many questions you need to ask now to determine what is truth. Can I tell you what the only solid truth is? God's Word, the Bible. Notice I said God's Word, not someone interpreting Scripture and sprouting out stuff because that's an opinion or an interpretation. God's Word. You can read it for yourself. It's called the Bible, and there is truth in there. Can I show you the three sources of truth? There they are. The first one is God's Word. I've just touched on that. Your Word is truth, says John 17, 17. That is the truth. Jesus also said, I am the truth. So Jesus is truth. Where can you hear from him? Oh, the word. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is truth. Can I just give you a little, maybe a little caution? I don't know. But there are people out there that will say, well, the Holy Spirit told me this. The Holy Spirit told me that. And then they sprout off whatever. And uh, I'm not knocking every person that says that. 
there are many anointed people of God that will say, the Holy Spirit is revealing to me, da, 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 da. But can I encourage you with this? When there's a word of prophecy or an interpretation, marry it up with the truth. God's word. So if someone comes and speaks some, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. You don't have to receive that. I think I've shared before, I've had a, I've had a prophetic word spoken over me that was a load of baloney. Sorry, but it just was. The person just couldn't have missed the mark any further. But I didn't embarrass him because I don't want to do that to people that, you know, come and, and do what they do. I, I took that word away. I went and talked to my leader about it at the time and they were like, Pfft. I went home and I looked at the word of God and married it up with what they said. Didn't, didn't sit. Didn't settle. And so that word was not for me. How many of you know that people aren't perfect? So we can say stuff that we think God is prompting us to say, but it's not necessarily for that person or for that time or for that season. Only God truly knows. That's why you always, if someone speaks a word over you, or if you're watching some video online of someone sprouting something off, line it up with the truth. Don't just check what they're saying, because they can be quite convincing. And the Bible warns us of, of false prophets and wolves in sheep's clothing and in the end times. And there's a lot out there, a lot of YouTube heroes that, that get a lot of views and clicks and whatever, and that makes you think, oh, look, they've got a million views. That must be truth. No. Oh, they've got, you know, so many subscribers. Well, they must be real. No, not necessarily. Let me encourage you. This is the truth. Okay? Don't get wrapped up in conspiracy and all this stuff that sounds so real because they're eloquent in speech, uh, but it doesn't marry up with the truth. Is that cool? Have I stepped on some toes today? Lord, help me. <laughs> Uh, uh, just like God sent his son into the world, so Jesus has sent his followers into the world. Their mission was the same as Jesus' mission, to tell people about God. Jesus had set himself apart for God to do his work, and he in turn set apart his disciples for the same purpose. And in turn, so are we set apart. The reason we are here the reason we are saved, praise God, the reason we say yes to Jesus is so that we can now go and tell. It's not just about the final destination, although heaven's going to be pretty awesome. I've booked my mansion. I've told God what I want. No, it doesn't work like that. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to skateboarding on streets of gold. Uh, but that, it's not just about the end destination, although that's great. But it's about what we can do in the time that we have left here. And it's sharing about Jesus, sharing the good news. It's such good news. Why wouldn't we want to go and tell? You know, some Christians that have been Christians since the days of Noah and they've just lost that flame. It's just that little flicker now. I just want to douse them with petrol and not, not, just that's figuratively, not literally. But I just want to fan that flame in them again. And remember, you know, when you think back to when you first got saved and how pumped you were. How excited you were, even myself, I'm talking to myself here. And, and you just you just can't, you have to tell everybody. But then, you know, over time the flame just kind of, yeah, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I've been, yeah, that I've heard that pastor preach that message before. Yeah, and you get that spirit of familiarity. And it's such a nasty spirit. Because it just makes you status quo, quesara, sara, whatever will be, will be, and you lose that drive in your faith. That urgency to want to tell people about Christ. Can I encourage you to fan the flame today? Fan the flame that's within you. 
because the news that we carry is such good news and we're called into the world to share the good news. All right, let's go to verse 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that he, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So we're talking about for those to come. See, Jesus prayed for himself and, and he prayed for his disciples and then he prayed for all people through all the ages who would become believers through his disciples' message. It's like a little deposit that he's making here for tomorrow, for all of us yet to come. But that includes us and it includes others that we're yet to tell about Jesus as well. You know, the 11 men uh, spread the good news about Jesus and some of them, like John, wrote books in the New Testament and that's what we're looking at. And the rest of the New Testament was written by men who became believers as a result of this original group's message. Can you see the flow-on effect that's happened here? Many people think with this passage, though, they, they get confused because it's talking a certain way. But they think it refers to Jesus' desire for Christians to have unity amongst ourselves. But that's not what this scripture's talking about. Some use this passage to support their claim that Christians shouldn't be divided into denominations. Well, you shouldn't have your Anglicans and your Catholics and your Unitings and your Baptists and your whatever else. Uh, and they use this scripture to justify that. Um, but it's not the meaning here. So in John 10, 30, when Jesus said, I and my Father are one, he meant that he and the Father had a oneness. So we are to understand this as a prayer that believers might experience the same oneness with God. It's the same oneness that Jesus experienced. That's what he's praying for, that we would experience that same oneness with him. In the passages in John, when Jesus spoke of his oneness with the Father, he talked about their unity of purpose and action. Jesus always did the Father's will and reflected his character. And in having that oneness, the same as Christ and his heavenly Father, us with our heavenly Father, we can then demonstrate the character and the quality and the characteristics of, of Christ in all that we do. How do you become the hands and feet of Jesus? Have a oneness with the Father. See, Jesus didn't ask that Christians experience oneness with each other in this passage. You know, whether organisational or in common commitment to key biblical teachings, that's not what he's talking about. What Jesus did pray was that Christians might experience the relationship that he had with the Father. And it's a oneness preserved by always seeking and doing God's will. And as believers do God's will, they will be united in mutual love for God. Part of doing God's will involves spreading the word about Christ to others. Fan the flame. Because when you fan that flame and you start sharing Christ again with other people that are yet to believe, that, that, that relationship, that oneness with our Father returns to such a strong measure. Why? Because we need him. <laughs> Some of us need the boldness to share Christ. Some of us need, you know, when we get the knockback and someone, you know, ridicules you, you need that comfort from him to say, you know what, it's all right. Just because they're having a dig at you, it's all right. I'm here wrapping my arms of love around you. You see, here's the point. When, 
When people believe in Jesus, they automatically become part of God's family called the body of Christ. And Paul described this body as a unit with many parts, having unity with diversity. So we're not all the same. We're all not just walking robots with the same uh, personality. And man, that would be boring. (laughs) But we're different. We're diverse. We have different skills and talents and uniqueness about each and every one of us. And although we don't all have the same gifts or abilities, we're all united in Christ. And that is God's heart. That we would be united in oneness with him. And when this is right, this is right. Let's keep going. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and you have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. It's a passing on of the glory. So even future believers will receive the glory God the Father gave his son. (laughs) Through his death, the whole world would see God's character and nature. That glory will become real to those who believe in Jesus. And they will enjoy unity with God and with one another. When believers get along, their unity makes an impact on unbelievers who see God's love in them. And it happens so many times when someone from outside the church looks at the church and maybe they look at two different people who in the world probably would never relate, never get along, never talk. And they think, what's going on there? How come they're in relationship? How come that's, everyone just seems so happy in that place. They're talking about ACC Church. They're so clappy in that place. (laughs) Why are they like that? They start to ask questions and it causes them to explore the truth. See, the Son of God wants to be with his followers. And I think that's great. Don't you? That Jesus wants to be with us. For the disciples who overheard this prayer, being with Jesus meant being in the same place because Jesus was still there Uh, for a little while anyway until he was about to go but for the followers to come like us being with Jesus means spending time reading the Bible praying and that situation will change when we get to heaven and see him face to face because then we are with him in person again which is going to be amazing Jesus prayed that our relationship with him would include seeing his character the glory God gave him because he loved him from eternity past. He wants us to see the character of God. Let's keep going. 25 to 26 says this. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. It's all about who you know. You know that in the world. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, in this case, it's the same. It's who you know. You see, Jesus is wrapping up his prayer time now. uh, And he's wrapping up this time with the Father, 
Not, not with another request, but it's like a final report before his death. You know, by addressing God as righteous father, he called attention to the fact that God is sinless. Jesus affirmed that the world didn't know God, but he did, and, and, and so did, and he did. Jesus knew God, and so did his 11 disciples, because they'd been hanging around Jesus long enough to get to know the Heavenly Father. Jesus had done his job of communicating um, God to them. That was his role, that was his job, to train them up in the ways. And he would continue to do so in order that they would know God's love. That was his goal. Despite him being put to the cross, that they would still hold on to the fact that God loves. So since Jesus would not always be with believers in physical form, he would continue his work through the Holy Spirit. How many of you are glad for the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad that we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus wanted his followers to know the love God had for him by experiencing that love within them. And that's the touch of the Holy Spirit. When you sense that love beyond measure, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you letting you know, you know what? God loves you. Despite what you've done, despite the mistakes you've made, despite the choices you're going to make tomorrow that aren't going to be so good, he loves you. Jesus wanted his followers to know that love. And as his followers experienced his love, they would become more loving people and they would be changed from the inside out by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's our prayer for any believer. Not that surface change would happen. You know, we come to church, we start hanging around long enough, we start to dress the right way, we start to use the lingo, we start to talk, say the right words but you haven't been changed on the inside. There's a lot of debate around, you know, once saved, always saved. Can I tell you that you can't lose your salvation? The Bible teaches us that. But people that walk away from the church, that walk away from God, that turn their back on, I wonder, I just wonder whether they had their salvation in the first place. Because how could you turn away from what we know as truth? How could you walk away honestly knowing what Christ had done, the sacrifice he'd made. We need to be transformed from the inside out. And that is true repentance, turning away from our life, former life, the mistakes we've made. It doesn't make us perfect, but it's understanding that transfer that's taken place from old to new. It's what the waters of baptism Declare when you go under the water, that's your old sinful life. And when you come out, you're a new creation, believing in Christ, transformed by the power of his blood and by the brokenness of his body. How could you walk away from that? Let's wrap up this chapter. Then we're going to come to a close. So it was a while ago that we started John chapter 17, but in case you forgot, verses 1 to 5, Jesus is asked, Uh, God to glorify him and for his death to glorify the Father. In other words, everything we do should glorify God, not us. It's not about us on a platform and about us. Oh, look at my gifting. Look how good I can share the word. Look how good I can say the right words when I pray. Look how good I dress. Look at It's none of that. Everything we do must glorify him. Must glorify him. Jesus reported that he had revealed the Father to his disciples in verses 6 to 8. Then Jesus prayed that the Father would protect the disciples whom he had given to Jesus, verses 
9 to 12. And then uh, today we moved into, um, there's the next one. Jesus asked that God would keep his disciples safe from Satan while they were still in the world. Not that he would take them out of the world. Uh, and then Jesus also prayed for those who wouldn't, uh, who would believe in him in the future. Uh, so that's nice that he thought of us. And Jesus reported that he had made the Father known to the disciples and would continue doing so. You see, Jesus emphasised the importance of making God the Father known. So important. God the Father was made known in the person of Jesus. When Jesus went to heaven to be with his heavenly Father, God the Father is now made known through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and there's just this, the light bulb switches on and we're a new creation. God the Father makes himself known to us. And there's an account in the Bible, and we're going to watch a video in just a second, where he speaks to us through a gentle whisper. Let's have a look. God whispered today to you, I want to ask this question, could we hear it? In a world that's filled with so much noise, so much distraction, so much heresy, people who seem like they're the real deal filling you with untruth, if God whispered, would we hear him? It's a real challenging question. It's convicting me. Would we hear him in the midst of our busyness, our schedules, our work, our relationships, our brokenness? 
would we hear? See, for the unbeliever, the whisper brings conviction. When they finally hear that inner voice that says, turn from your old ways, come to me, I'm waiting for you. That's the whisper of the Holy Spirit to the unbeliever, inviting them to come and say yes to Jesus. But for the believer, the whisper can bring many things, but one thing I know is true is that his whisper brings comfort. Because it's a knowing that no matter what is raging in my life right now, no matter what is distracting me, the chaos that's going on, the stuff that none of us know about because you've kept it to yourself, but God knows. It's that whisper that comes and it brings that comfort, that peace in the middle of your storm. And God just put on my heart today that people need to set aside the noise and receive the whisper again. For whatever it is you're going through, for whatever it is that you're facing, God is very near, even though he seems very far. He's near. And he's whispering. Open your heart to me again. Let me wrap my arms of love around you to comfort you. I think particularly of our seasonal workers who have family at home. You've come a long way and you're here. And man, it must be like a raging storm for you when you can't access your family. You can do video chats and all that, but it's not the same. We all know that. The whisper will comfort you. If you listen to his Holy Spirit and let him in, he will comfort you. You might cry because you probably need to, but he will comfort you. He will say, don't worry, it'll be okay. I will take care of your family at home. I'll take care of you and I'll provide. And, and for the rest of us, whatever it is you're facing, the voice of God can comfort you. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, to hear that whisper, we need to receive Jesus. We need to repent from our old ways. We need to say, sorry, God, for the mistakes I've made and truly have a transformation of our hearts when we let Christ in, a turning away from old to new. And so if you're in this place this morning or if you're in online and you're tuning in, I want to encourage you, turn from your old ways. Walk confidently into the new because Christ has gone before you. He took our punishment on the cross, the punishment that we deserve, the mistakes that we made. We deserve punishment for that, but Jesus stood in the gap and he made a way for us to be forgiven. So if that's you and you're in this place today and you need to invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Saviour, to receive the forgiveness for your sins and, and to step into the newness of life. Would you just raise your hand and we're going to pray. Yeah, I see those hands. Wonderful. Wonderful. So good. So good. If you're in your living room at home, you can just respond. It's not about seeing your hands. I mean, I know who I'm praying for in the room, but at home, it's about your response. We're going to pray a prayer. And the prayer doesn't save you, but it's the response of your heart as you pray. 
We've got the scripture on the screen, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, that's what we're about to do, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how simple it is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So church, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you came. And that you surrendered your life. And you surrendered your life. And paid the price. And paid the price. The penalty that I deserve. The penalty that I deserve. So that I could be made free. So that I could be made free. So I confess with my mouth. I confess with my mouth. That you are my Lord. You are my Lord. I don't live for the world anymore. I don't live for the world anymore. I live for you. I live for you. And I believe in my heart. And I believe in my heart. That God raised you from the dead. God you conquered sin and death. And you've made us free. We choose to live for you. And serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people surrendering their life to Jesus in this place? My time is gone, but there's one more thing I want to do. In fact, two more, maybe three. No more than seven. If you want to hear that whisper, if you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, would you just lift your hands right where you are? And I'm going to pray that God would come and speak to you in the midst of your circumstance, that he would again whisper and encourage and bless and let you know that it's all going to be okay. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hands raised hearts lifted towards heaven in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray for each one that you would speak into their hearts, that you would bring comfort to the believer. Lord, that you would bring salvation to the unbeliever. Lord, that you would just wrap your arms of love around each one and remind them that you are their daddy father and that nothing is too hard for the Lord. And so, God, we surrender and rest in your love. Speak to us afresh. Whisper into our spirit this morning. And may we leave this place encouraged and blessed and comforted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.